0: Wonderful to see most of you tonight. I'm glad you're here. Hey, let me not take for granted that you are here. If you feel for instance that there is sufficient evidence of your presence here tonight, will you raise your hand? I just want to say, okay, good. That's, you know, most most of you. So we have settled that rather philosophical question, am I here? But now let's move on to something a little more challenging. You're here, uh, but the question we have to really tackle is, what are you here for? I don't mean exactly in this place. I mean in this world. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Why are we here? What's the purpose for our existence? Now, this is a pretty serious topic. So I apologize for what I'm about to do. It's a story that I was reminded of as I was driving here tonight that really will detract from the seriousness of the topic, but I'm really dying to tell you this, because it's funny. So um, a million years ago, when I was an undergraduate student in college, uh, our university paid thousands of dollars to have a uh, traveling art display put in the art studio on campus. And it was kind of a pop art exhibit. So one of the pieces on display, which the university paid lots of money to get, was to us, uh, non-artists, nothing more than a pile of bricks. And my friend and I decided to, um, to protest not violently or anything like that that we've sadly grown accustomed to today, just a goofy little non-threatening protest. So we got a big piece of plywood, and we found a bunch of wire, and we stapled the wire to this piece of plywood, and at night, we snuck it in the art gallery. We put it there, and we labeled it Wire, W-I-R-E, Wire We Here. And we invited faculty members and other students to come, and we told them, this is something we haven't really said too much about, but uh, Brian was his name. Brian and I were kind of artists, and so we'd like to invite you to a private showing of our latest work. And we packed out the place, and we dressed up like artists. You know, we wore sport jackets and sneakers and no, so- wait a second. That's what pastors wear today. I mean, but anyway, then it was kind of cutting edge, you know, artist attire. And then as people came by and uh, commented on it, we tried to engage in artist talk, and we would say, "Yeah, we are used to the media of." Paper mache but we have decided to experiment with this new media wire because we feel like it can better express what we're trying to say to the universe. We're just going on and on doing crazy stuff. And then the uh, curator of the art gallery removed it, of course, and he said, uh, I mean, no disrespect. We just want to store it and save it for future generations. Anyway, That's what he did. And then uh, taking off on what we did, the next day, another student snuck in, this is bad talk, but uh, a toilet seat and put it in there with a sign that said, please do not sit on the art. So anyway, that's my why are we here story. And now I have the audacity to think you're going to be able to smoothly transition from that to something of great seriousness. <laughs> Why are we here? So I've been thinking about it quite a bit, especially in the environment in which we find ourselves today. Life is becoming increasingly challenging, and we Christians are having to ask ourselves the question, how am I ad- to address this rather uh, uncertain, fluctuating, threatening culture in which I live. What is my purpose? So I've come up with these two things. Uh, Tell me what you think. I think our fundamental purpose in being here is, one, to relate to God personally, and secondly, to reflect God publicly. This makes a lot of sense to me, and I'd like to sort of offer some biblical support for this. And so let's first take a look at the first notion, our purpose being to relate to God uh, personally. I kind of find this in this passage, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You're familiar with it. And God created man, that's generic, man and woman, in his own image. It's pretty uh, commonly known, this passage, but what does it mean that we've been created in the image of God? It can't be a physical resemblance because, uh, to begin with, we don't know what God looks like. And apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, Pre-existent deity is incorporeal. He is spirit. He's not housed in the human body. And so it can't mean that we're like him from a physical material point of view. So what does it mean? Uh, tell me what you think of this. As I read in scripture, I find out that God has a mind, emotions, and a will. He's not impersonal. It's not may the force be with you. He has personality. He's a living being. So he has an intellectual capacity, a mind. He thinks. He has thought. He has an affective capacity. He has a heart. He has the capacity to have affection, and he has a will or a volitional capacity. That's the unique equipment that God possesses. So I think when we are told that we were created in his image, that's what it means. That we too have been made with that equipment, a mind to think about God, a heart with which to love God, and a will with which to obey God. And it's that capacity that distinguishes us from every other uh, created thing, animate or inanimate. There used to be a song years ago, I am a rock. No, I'm not. Neither are you. I'm different than a rock. You can talk to your trees and plants if you want to, but you are much different. You are created in a higher order than any other living thing. You alone have been created in the image of God with equipment to do what? Those three capacities, intellect, Affect and volition enable us to be in communion with Almighty God. That's why he gave us that equipment. So that tells us, right the first book in the Bible, by implication, tells me, ah, now I see what my purpose is. I can use my mind and lend it to all kinds of pursuits. I can use my affection and attach it to people or things other than God. I can use my will in in the direction of not submitting to God. I can do all those things, but then I'm not functioning in accordance with the essential purpose with which I have been made. Let me illustrate. I'm going to describe an object to you, and you tell me, based on its equipment, what it's equipped to do, you tell me what it is. This object has the capacity to carry, to transport people or things. What's more, it has the capacity to accelerate and decelerate, even coming to a full stop. This particular thing also has the marvelous capacity, the equipment to change direction. It can go not only forward and in reverse, it could go left and right. What am I talking about? It's a car. You know what the thing is based upon what it has been equipped to do. Now, if you took that car and instead of using it for its primary intended purpose, which is transport, if you chose instead to put it on your front lawn, fill it with topsoil, and make it a planter, There's nothing illegal about it. You cannot be arrested for that. But your neighbors are going to have all kinds of conversation about you and wonder about your mental stability because you're taking something whose intended use is obviously for transport and you're putting it to a use way beneath its intending use. And that's how most of us live our lives. We squander the equipment with which we have been uniquely Made and we use those faculties to do that which is, though not necessarily illegal, is not sensible because they're not being used for our intended purpose, and that is to usher us into closer communion with the God who gave us that particular equipment. And so, once again, to emphasize the point, I believe uh, first our purpose is to relate to God personally. I can tell this because we're built for it. In fact, there's something much different, if you look to Scripture, about the way God made us in comparison to all else he had made. This, for instance, is how, according to Genesis chapter 1, God created. Here it is. And God said, let there be... And you know what happens after that. Let there be light, heavens, earth, vegetation, trees. Let there be stars and fish and birds and insects and animals. In the power of God's spoken word, creative word, he spoke into existence. Nobody else could do that. He spoke into existence what now exists. That's how he created every single other element of creation except people that's how he created everything but us on the 6th day of creation when it came time to creating us the language in Genesis chapter 1 the creation narrative changes from an impersonal formula let there be light there's a noticeable change to something like this Genesis 1:26 God said let us See, now it's becoming personal and relational. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Can you see the change from let there be to let us make man in our image according to our likeness? Now, God has been and evermore shall be in community within the Trinity. Now, this is a mystery I cannot explain, but I can easily accept. Uh, And the Trinity, you know, is the mysterious three who is actually one. God the Father, uh, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I really hope you're not drifting from the Trinitarian formula. Everything seems to be being challenged today. There's lots of biblical support for the Trinity. Now, comprehending it is beyond what our finite minds can do, but we wouldn't really have reason to worship God if his infinite mind didn't supersede our limitations. Now, if God wants to manifest himself in three persons, why would you or I have a problem with that? So forever within the community of the Trinity, God had relationship and community. And based upon his design in us and of us, it seems to me he's inviting us into the same community. The same kind of relationship with him. And that's why I say I believe our fundamental purpose here, for as long as we're going to be here, is to relate to God personally. We have been made for it. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, we find out a little more about this. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man, look, of dust from the ground. Folks, we've had some rather humble beginnings And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So the first of us, Adam, Hebrew, Adam uh, was his name, was formed of dust from the ground. He had, we have had, a rather uh, earthly beginning. You might say a very down-to-earth beginning origin for crying out loud, but there's more to it than just that. Though materially, we're made of the stuff of dust, and as a result, our bodies are comprised of uh, many of the same chemicals other elements of creation are. Still, though we've had literally a very down-to-earth origin, there's more to it because the text says... Beyond this, God personally and very directly breathed into us, the first of us, the breath of life. So, God gathered together a dust from the earth, and then he uh, formed it into a human body, and then he breathed into it. So, in essence, this simple formula took place. God exhaled, uh, first man inhaled, and thus had life. That's how it began. Man was not, but then man suddenly was. And the first thing first man sensed, think about it, was the very nearness of Almighty God. So near, in fact, that first man could literally sense the breath of God. Can you see that we were made for communion and relationship with transcendent deity. Can you see that he fashioned us specifically with the equipment to usher us into ever-increasing intimacy and communion with him? To emphasize this point, I repeat it for you. Our purpose, to me, is clearly to relate to God personally. Now, folks, we're living in a day where many people are trying to find themselves. And thus they're asking themselves the question, who am I? A search for identity. Uh, Some call it an identity crisis. Who am I? It's a valid question, but I'm not sure it's the best first question with which to begin. In fact, the first question recorded in the Bible is not, who am I? In Genesis chapter 3, it says, they, the first of us, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then it says in Genesis 3, 9, then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, look, that's the first question in the Bible, not who are you. Where are you? That's the most piercing, profound, and probing question we must ask of each other and even of others. Uh, Where are you positionally? Where are you with reference to your Maker? Are you close with Him? Are you on good terms? Is He the great beyond? Is He the great unknown? do you have a concept of him that goes no further than just a concept of him? Where are you? What is your position with reference to Almighty God? You see, if our purpose is to relate to God personally, there's no way we can possibly find a meaningful sense of identity in life A meaningful sense of meaning, worth, and purpose apart from him if our purpose is to commune with him. So where where are you? Do you mind if I ask you that question so that even as you sit here uh, safely and privately, uh, you can engage your mind in thinking about it? Where are you right now with reference to almighty God? Positionally, are you near? Are you afar? Which is it? You see, when uh, you and I are rightly related to God, that is when, that is only when, we can know with certainty what our identity is, uh, what the source of our value is, and what our purpose is. So so the who am I question cannot be answered until you and I come up with the right answer uh, for the where am I question. Not who am I. Where am I with reference to almighty God? Now, folks, he also created fish and birds and animals, but he created us with a much higher purpose than they. When God wanted these critters to be created, he simply commanded the earth to produce them. But when he made us, he was personally involved and made us in his own image. Now, let's get real. You may, even as we sit here tonight, uh, you may not be doing very well. You may be suffering the pain of the loss of a loved one. You yourself may be struggling with a physical affliction that uh, you cannot get rid of. You may be unemployed or on the way. There may be financial difficulties. You may not have the vocation you have for so long desired to have. You're a Christian, yet all these possibilities are real even for you. Um, you, you, You may not be popular. You may not be getting from those who you should be getting affirmation from affirmation. You may be getting rejection messages even from significant ones who ought to be closest to all these things are possibilities even for us who are redeemed people but though we may lack any many of these things uh, though we may be experiencing the pains of life still we can realize the primary purpose for which God gave us life it is to relate to God personally Is it acceptable to draw near to God with a word of complaint? You're darn tootin' it is. He could take the heat. Is it acceptable to say to God, how long or why? Well, sure. Who else is it wisest for you to go? Who else has answers to those questions? Even those questions are a way of drawing near to almighty God. So I wonder if we should maybe change the way we pray for one another. As I read the wonderful lists produced by our pastoral care department here, who's now in the hospital, who's in hospice, who has passed away, those things, um, I, I pray as you do, and we ought to, I pray for healing of those who are having physical need and all the rest. I pray for those who need employment. Why wouldn't we pray those things? I don't want to eliminate those things, but I want to add to it this. I want to say, oh God, in the midst of that person's pain, grief, pain, confusion, depression, loss, whatever it is, oh God, would you somehow use it to cause them to grow closer to you than they would without it. And then what they're going through would be worth it because their intended purpose is not to be healthy and wealthy. No, 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 no. Their intended purpose is to relate to God personally. So I'm going to pray a little more deliberately that those... Afflictions and burdens would not drive the one subject to it away from God, but somehow motivate that hurting one to cling to him for blessing. I love what Jacob did way back in Genesis. I will. He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. I believe that was the Lord, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Well, if it was God, he surely could have freed himself from Jacob's grasp, but that's the point. He didn't want to. He wanted Jacob in his weakness to realize how much he had to cling to Almighty God more than to anything else. And so Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So I'm going to start praying as we limp through life, just as Jacob did, that God would use all the manifold burdens and afflictions with which we are afflicted to usher us even more closely into communion with Almighty God. And then all of these things, which otherwise seem random, will make sense. I get it, God. In my weakness, I can be strong because I will run to you the source of my strength. And let's be honest, in times of prosperity, we're more prone to put God on the shelf. But in affliction, we're more prone to cling to him for blessing. So now I get it. Now I see why even those who God says he loves go through sometimes such painful times. It's designed to help us fulfill our purpose, which is to know God. Personally, Now the second part of what we spoke, and I won't take as long, so don't get nervous for this one. It is to reflect God publicly. Um, God, as we mentioned, did not make all things in his own image, but he did make us this way. Therefore, I think I'm correct in concluding, we are image bearers. That's who we are, image bearers. We are made to reflect the very image of God. So take a look at this verse, Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over other created things, the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's what God did. He blessed us. He spoke directly to us. He gave the first of us, and by extension all of us, dominion over the earth. He created all else for us to make use of. Why? As the first of us, Adam and Eve, those who first came from him, as they would do this by God's grace and empowerment, as they would go about being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth and subduing it, as they did that, they would be reflecting the very gracious, sovereign, enabling character of Almighty God. They would be living proof, don't you see, of a loving God to a watching world. Have you heard that before? Oh, man, I thought I came up with it. Uh That's what they would be doing as they went about. And this is our purpose down to this very day. We are here to reflect the attributes or characteristics of God publicly. That's what we're here to do. So once again. You may not have much of what the world has to offer. Things may not be going well for you now, financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, vocationally. This is possible. All these things can affect us. You may not have smooth sailing, but we're not here for those purposes. That is to say, unless you watch too much goofball Christian TV, where the theology uh, is suggesting to us, no, no we're not supposed to have trouble. We're supposed to, by faith, be granted immunity from that which afflicts others. Well, that's not true in any way, shape, or form. So if we're going to be subject to the throes of life and good night, we are. um, What are we to do? We could complain, we can get angry, Uh, We can distance ourselves from Almighty God, or we can fulfill our life's purpose through it all, which is, once again, to relate to God personally and to reflect God publicly. Uh, Folks, we are as subject to COVID as everybody else. We are subject to downturns in the economy as everybody else. Uh, But when we... uh, Experience those things and respond to those things filled with God's spirit, thus manifesting his love and joy and peace and all the rest. Don't you see? All those things not only detract from our life's purpose, they accentuate it. People get a chance to see, oh my goodness, that one is living life different than I am. This is our purpose. To relate to God personally and reflect God publicly. So that means this even in this pretty disturbing day of uncertainty and disappointment, so what? <laughs> not only does it not detract from our purpose, I think it contributes to it. If we get it right, our purpose is to relate to God personally and reflect God publicly. Now, I want to ask you this question as we get pretty close to closing. Isn't that good? People like to hear that. So we're, we're, we're getting there. What could God give you that would show him to be the most loving he could possibly be? Would it be health and well-being and a life partner or Good job. These are good things. Would that be the best God has to offer in order to persuade us that he loves us? No, it isn't. If God is to really persuade us that he loves us with a love that will not let us go, he has to give us the best of what he has to give. And you know what it is? Himself. Now you tell me, What's happening in this day in which we live that could take him away? What can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, nothing. Uh, Therefore, we ought not to worry, be cynical, become embittered. What's happening today, I'm telling you, is motivation for us to fulfill our primary life person. And God designed us for himself. If he wants to show his perfect love for us, he has to give us his perfect self. And this he did through Jesus Christ. Therefore, our purpose is to relate to him personally and reflect him publicly. Now, many of us are unsatisfied. I suffer from it the same as you do. I think we're unsatisfied because we think our uh, life purpose are these two things, success and survival. If I could just survive whatever the new administration of this country is going to look like, if I could just survive predators, if I could just survive the economy, if I could just survive this pandemic, you see, or if I could just succeed in this, that, or the other thing. We think that will equal success, but the evidence says that's not a good formula. Uh, uh, success and survival doesn't automatically equal satisfaction, and that's why many of us as Christians are not very satisfied. But, but success and uh, survival are not God's intended purposes for us. His intended purpose is to relate to him personally and thereby reflect him Publicly, Folks, we are his image bearers, created to enjoy him and to glorify him forever. No Republican administration can get in the way of that. No Democrat administration can get in the way of that no change in the economy and society. Nothing can get away in the way of this. I've been created and fashioned by God with the equipment to image forth who he is, and I do it better when I hang out with him. My purpose is to know God and make him known. That's the only reason we're still here. And when it's time for our purpose here to end, boom, he takes us home. And that could be any time. Until that happens, Don't let circumstances define you. Let God define you. I made you in my own image. Image me forth. Commune with me. Enjoy me now and forevermore. For as David said, whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. Oh, 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 Oh God, confession time. That passage is not exactly true of us, but it's surely a goal we can set our sights on. Whom have we in heaven but thee? Nothing there will matter but you. And why not get in shape for heaven now? And besides the I desire nothing on earth. Oh God, if it be your will, yes, take away whatever you choose. But don't remove yourself from us. Thank you for giving us your best, yourself, a relationship with you. And help us, oh God, no longer to squander the privilege and opportunity to draw near to you in word and in prayer. And to pursue that marvelous private life for which you suffered and died on the cross. So that we could come near. Knowing you, not as only the great beyond, but as Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, oh God, for reminding us of our twofold life purpose and for telling us nobody and no thing can interfere with it. Keep us from being distracted from what ought to be our focus. It's you knowing you personally and reflecting you publicly. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.